And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests of the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of the Tabernacles, when all, and I've got that circled, it's emphasized in, in my mind and in my heart, when all Israel's come to appear before the Lord thy God, in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read the law before all Israel in their hearing. Now let me tell you all something. God says something one time in significance, but when he says it twice, we better pay attention. So notice he said all Israel two times. He said, gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy strangers that is, in thy, that is within thy gates, that they may hear, that they may learn, and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law. And that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as ye live in the land, whether ye go over Jordan, to possess it. You may be seated. Father, I'm thankful this morning for the privilege of being in this place and thankful, God, for this Lord's Day. A day that, as we have already done, has been given to commemorate and celebrate the fact that he that was dead is alive and he's alive forevermore. And God, when I say that, it always stirs my heart to cause me to remember and realize because you live, I will too one day. And I'm thankful for that. I thank you for the Word of God. And I thank you, Lord, that you love us, though you know us, though you have God of heaven, got us in the palm of your hand, written our name there, Lord. You, you knew us from eternity past before we ever were. God, you love us, and we're thankful how that you have got great plans for us. Thank you for the new beginning that you've given us today. Thank you for new year and what it represents. And may today, may today, God, we embrace the challenge of this message. May we open our heart, God, to the very thing that makes everything else connected with Christianity possible and profitable. God, have your own way. Bless us, I do pray, in this hour. If anybody is lost among us, save them, backslid and renew them. And God, our Father, challenge and stir our hearts, all of us, one and all, to your things, the things of eternity. In the name of your Son, Jesus, I pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. I'm not going to reread any one verse because I'm going to read those verses again probably in my message, do it in a brief way. And, and uh, the outline that I've got, I mean, I've, I've got a little three, four point outline. It's going to pass really quick. And, and the rest of it will be uh, just simply maybe me testifying or sharing with you my convictions, but it's a whole lot more than that. And I want to talk to you today about this, something the church must be. Now, that doesn't give us any leeway to decide, well, can we or should we be? I, I mean, listen, let me give it to you again, and then I'll give you the subtitle, and you know what it is. You'll understand why it is. But something the church must be. The church is a special entity. Would you all agree with that? I mean, we're unlike any other entity on the, pl uh, on the face of God's footstool. I mean, nothing else. Listen to this. I'm about to get happy. Nothing else has God shed His blood for. Nothing else has God entrusted His Word to. Nothing else has God a spirit empowered. I'm talking about uh, the blood-washed, redeemed church of Jesus Christ. And if we don't do, listen, friend, what this message is about, I'm going to ask you something. Who will? 
The church must be, and here's the subtitle of the message, people of the book. We must be people of the book. I mean, we live in a day and an hour when maybe it's not so uh, much on conversation, in conversations. It was a little, little uh, while ago, a few years ago, but people were uh, talking a lot about spirituality. What it means to be spiritual. What, it, what is spirituality? Who is spiritual? What it takes to be spiritual. Can I tell you something, friend? If you don't have the right book and the right doctrine, you can't be spiritual. You can be loud, you can be happy, you can have experience after experience, but unless you've got this book, you cannot be what God intends for us to be. You cannot be truly spiritual. Man, right there's enough to get, to get y'all started on the new year and even to keep you through the new year. We must be people of this book. Now, as we look into this passage of Scripture, let me set the setting of it really, really quickly and tell you what's going on. Moses is 120 years of age. He's soon to step off the stage of action. God's already told him that he cannot lead the children of Israel into the promised land. There's a lot of typology in that. I'm not going to get uh, to it. But, but when he disobeyed God, when he smote the rock the second time after God told him to speak to it, he, he did something to a uh, type of Jesus Christ. And God said, for that reason, you're not going in. Now, I got good news for you. Several years passed, and I read in the book of Matthew chapter 12, finally got in, or 17, excuse me, where he finally got in on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was there, right? So God's going to get his people in, but there, there's a lot to that. And, and here, here, y'all know what the book of Deuteronomy means? It means the second law. It is more than a recapitulation or a rehearsing of the law that God gave to the first generation of people that had been delivered and redeemed out of Egypt's bondage at the mount of foot, at the foot of Mount Sinai in the first year of their journey out of the land of Egypt and bondage into the land of promise, the land that flowed with milk and honey. Here was a new generation, a generation the majority of them had been birthed in the wilderness they were getting ready, maybe within 30 days even, to go in the land of promise and to gain that which God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, years before. And here they were. They were gathered. They remembered their moms and dads who were buried under the desert sand and under the desert sun. They remembered. They remembered that uh, they told the stories of how they redeemed and the night of the Passover, the blood that was shed, the hyssop was used, and how they ate there, how they ate that Paschal lamb uh, with their shoes on, with uh, with their staff in their hand, and with their loins girded, ready to go. They remembered the midnight cry story. Look, they were getting ready to go into something new. We're, we're standing on the, uh, the threshold, the precipice of something new. And I don't know how exciting it's going to be. And it is exciting. Hey, can I tell you, we're one year closer to the second coming of Christ. One moment, one day closer. That's exciting. Look, brothers, sisters, let me tell you something. It's not going to get any easier on, on the way home. It's not going to get any easier. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. But it's possible. We can go in victoriously. We can go in shouting the praises of God. We can go in, friend, listen, with the hope and, and with the shirt. We can run the rest of the way in if we choose to. You say, how can we do that? God said, be of good courage. Don't fear. I'm with you. Amen. He tells us in this chapter. 
He was getting ready to leave, but God wasn't. He was going to be with Joseph and all of those that Joseph was going to lead into the promised land. But look, there's something else in this we don't hear much about. Not only is there a promise of them going into the promised land, but can I tell you, there is a warning in this chapter. You pick it up in verse 16, read on down through the remainder of the chapter. God knows us. Do you all hear me? Everybody heard me say that? God knows us. Say amen. God knows us. Thoughts and the intent of our heart. Down settings and uprising, Psalm 139 says. Knows, uh, knows the next word that's going to come out of our mouth before it's even formed within us. He knows the thought and the intent of our heart. The past, present, the future. He knows our potential. He knows our failure. He knows when we're lazy, when we're getting it right or wrong. God knows. God knows. You know what God knew about the nation of Israel? God knew that they would commit apostasy. Isn't that amazing? Hey, look up here, folks. Listen, we're living in the last great apostasy. The Word of God speaks about it. I'll mention it a little bit later. But that's amazing. God said, now look, you're going to the promised land. God's going to be with you. He's going to bless you. You're going to defeat the enemy. Joshua's going to lead you. I'm going to keep my word. But you're going to fail. You're going to sin. You're going to commit idolatry. You're going to abandon me. Isn't that amazing? And can I tell you, friend, listen, get it. We must be people of the book because this book is the only antidote for the apostasy that faces us and confronts us today. There's a reason the devil hates this book. There's a, de- there's a reason the devil hates this book. You see, look, this seems like the church has become many things in the last day. And the sad part of it is, I'm afraid our, uh, this church has become something that God never intended for it to be. But I'm going to tell you what, friend, listen. I don't care what she becomes and we ought, look, in 2023, we ought to become more than we've ever become. If you agree with that, say amen. We ought to, listen, we ought to go deeper in the Word of God. We go to higher in our walk of the Lord. We ought to reach more people. That means we've got to go down, go up, and go out. That's exactly what it means. And maybe that's the wrong order. Maybe we ought to go up and down and then out. I have no idea, but I'll tell you what, that we ought to make a difference in this place, in, in the places of where we communicate and converse and live and do our business. We ought to make a difference in this life if we've been called to be salt and light. Believe me, if there's a time when the world needs salt and light, it's in this day that we live in. We must be people of the book. We must be. Look, in verse 11, you'll find, you'll find the proclamation. You know what a proclamation was? It's an announcement of great appoint, uh, appoint importance. And listen to what he said. he said. He said, when all Israel has come to appear before the Lord thy God into the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read. Thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. God forbid, friend, listen, that RGT would ever make the word of God a secondary priority. God forbid that RGT uh, would lay aside the emphasis she has today on the word of God. God forbid friend listen if we ever lose our purpose like your uh, like your board chairman Steve Arnott just said God forbid if we ever stop making the major thing the major thing at this place and I tell you what th- th- listen we're, we're all about this book and the person of that book there are churches friend that could care less about the word of God as long as they come to church and then leave feeling better when they come Y'all do know that, don't you? They'll lay lay aside a clear declaration of the Word of God and put a dance team up on the the stage with unitards. 
And that's things they'll not be wearing, bless God, in private. And they're up on a stage carrying a flag. And I don't know what they're doing, but they're changing. Listen to the declaration of the Word of God with the drama team. We need men of God that will stand and thunder out the Word of God and say, Thus saith the Lord. That may not be popular, but I'll tell you what. It'll be, it's necessary. So there was, a, there was a clear proclamation. God wanted people to know. And look at the people in verse 12. He said, gather the people. And in verse 11, he said, all Israel twice. I highlighted that. He said, you gather the people together. And listen now, he identifies them. In case there's any question uh, as to who all mean, it means men, women, boys, and girls. I like children's church. Tell Kim I said so. But can I tell you what? I think there ought to be times when all the kids and all the adults are in, in, in the worship sanctuary or in the sanctuary worshiping together. I'm going to try that again so y'all can give me more help, all right? I've done, I've done cutie. I believe, listen, I like children's church. I believe there's a time to minister to children. Thank God for Kim and all that helps her. Thank God for Joe and, and Linnell. Aren't they doing a phenomenal job with those kids and the music? Man, it's just, it's just absolutely amazing. But I believe, friend, there ought to be times when these kids sit in her with us, watch us weep, watch us raise her hand, listen to us testify, watch us worship God and act crazy, spit and sweat like a mad man. They ought to know what it means, bless God, to see God get on somebody. We, we, we've segregated ourselves to the point that we, we have diminished what God would have us to have. Look, he said, get them all together. He said, well, little Johnny can't understand. Well, bless God, he may understand more than you do. Y'all know the kids are, are better at multitasking than we are. They can sit over there, be sucking on a sucker, picking their nose and coloring on another page and understand every word that you just said. And when you ask them, they'll tell you it back better than what you told them. It's amazing what you think. Well, man, that was a waste of time. How many Sunday school teachers have left saying, well, that was a waste of 45 good minutes. When you come back next week and you begin to talk to them, they begin to spill uh, your lesson last week and your heart begins to break and you begin, your, 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 your eyes begin to melt. You know, I mean, that's just the way God made it. But he said, now look, here's the proclamation. He said, get all the people, the people of the Lord. Listen, friend, without exception, everybody, the name's the name of Jesus, must be people of the book. The best thing I can leave you all, the best thing I can leave you all is this book doctrines from it, truth from it, let you know that's the only thing that you can stand on when the world's on fire. I like you all that are older, and I especially like you all that are older than me. But what I'm saying is, I've got a great responsibility to these. That young man right there challenges me more than you could ever imagine. That young man back there challenges me more than you could ever imagine. You say, why? Because I've got an obligation to some degree, whether I'm intentional or it's overt or covert, I'm training them in ways of ministry. How limited I am, how, how unworthy I am to do that. But I'll tell you what I know I have done. I have told and bless God that I can give you good doctrine and I have. By the grace of God, I'm not a great orator. I'm not very good with illustration, but I can give you this book. And I won't keep doing that. By the grace of God, I'm going to keep doing that. Now look, look at verse 12. Look, look at verse 12. Get to the right page. He goes on to say, he said, now here's, here's the purpose. 
He said, I want you to bring men, women, boys, and girls. Everybody, everybody listen to this. Say amen. No, that's important. I know I asked that on occasion. Had somebody write me a letter and say, and, and, and you shouldn't ought to ask for amens. They have no idea why I do what I do in the pulpit sometimes. Y'all know if you've been at it long enough, you, you'll, you'll know every now and then you need to get people's attention. You, you need to draw them back to where you're at and what's going on. Or there's something highly important that you know God wants them to know. And if you've got any wit about you at all, if you say certain things, they'll, it, it'll awaken, it'll stir them, it'll stop them, and it'll draw them back in. I don't, I don't care when people criticize me, especially if they don't know what they're criticizing. You know? I don't mind criticism, I just don't like critics. And you say, what's the difference of that? A critic to me is somebody that just knocks, bangs everything. Somebody else does and won't do anything about it. But if you've got good, strong criticism for me that's constructive, I'm open to you all day. All day. But listen now, he said, the men, women, the boy, the girl. Look, there's four things here, and I'm going to move on. He said, number one, you've got to hear. Listen, it's imperative that when God speaks to me, you listen. And if all you hear is the voice of T.K. Price, you're not hearing. My job is to proclaim it. Your job is to hear it. But it doesn't stop there. Doesn't stop there. Number two, he goes on. He said that they may learn it. You're not only to hear it, but you're to heed it. I, I, I feel sorry for some people to go hear somebody preach or to preach the gospel to the lost. I'm going to die lost. They'll go one time, hear the gospel of deliverance, hear the plan of salvation, feel, get under the presence of the power of God, and then go and die lost. It would have been better if they had never heard the gospel message than after they had heard it and turned away from it into something. But look, friend, I'm going to do my best. Again, I know I'm not the great orator that, that, that I'd like to be, but look, I try to be as best I can be. It's all I can do. I strive for that. Greg was talking about he beats up on himself. Man, oh man, oh man, anybody that's got any kind of conscience or love for God in this book and the people they're trying to feed does the same thing. Does the same thing. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. I'm going to do my best to give you something worth hearing and it's up to you to decide what you do with it. It's up to you not only to hear it, but also to learn it, to eat it. And then there's another part of that. If we're right, we'll fear the Lord. How can we hear this book, God's Word, God's command? This is a book of commandments, not suggestions. This is a book filled with principles and precepts. How can we hear this book, claim to name the name of Jesus, and, and hear the Word of God and flippantly go off and say, ah, no big deal. Did that get close? Now, I'll be honest, I'm guilty of it sometimes. There are times I come in here, I, I'm, I'm not in shape to worship, I'm not in shape to hear. And if you'll be honest, you aren't either, but listen to me, everybody listening right now, say amen. It ought not to be every week. See, some people do that every week. Some people just show up because that's the thing to do. They've gotten habit. It's a good habit to go to the house of the Lord. There's more to going to the house of the Lord. We come here to hear the word of God so we can grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He said we're to hear, we're to learn, we're to fear. And then, listen, here it is. Are you ready? Here's the kicker. God expects us to even live it out in our life. You think of the audacity that he has to get us to say that. You mean to tell me that word's supposed to change me? 
You mean to tell me I'm supposed to live that book? I'm supposed to be separated. I'm supposed to be obedient. I'm supposed to be holy. I'm supposed to quit sinning. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to quit uh, uh, being addicted to things, falling back in old habits, doing everything the wrong way time and time again. You mean I'm supposed to just stand and see what God will do? Let God deliver me this time instead of me? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're to hear the book, learn the book, fear God enough to live the book. That's the purpose of all this. We don't come down here. Y'all don't put up with me just because you don't have anything else to do. And look, everybody look up here. Y'all don't love me that much. You, you all love me. I get tickled to people and they'll say, I can listen to you preach all the time and I don't see some of the ones that said that. Ever do I see that. Now, it's a sweet compliment. I know what they're saying, but I don't, I don't believe people the most time. Look at verse 13. And, 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 uh, and I'll go on with the message. And that their children, which have not known anything. It's one thing not to know legitimately, but it's another thing to know and not do with it what you ought to do. Did y'all get that? I make a statement clear it's one thing not to know. We can't be held accountable for things we don't know. But once we do know them, friend, bless God, God expects us to do something with them. And he's pretty clear in his word. Trust me, y'all. I come from Boone County. I remember where the, I remember where the hard road stopped a few hundred feet before Wharton Junior High School. I can remember when the hard road, I'm talking about blacktop, stopped. Y'all live in the cities with big sidewalks and parks and all this stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Listen, if I can get this stuff, y'all can. God, God's given us a revelation. He, he, didn't, he didn't write this and veil it. He gave us a revelation. He said that the children which have not known anything may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as ye live in the land where they go over Jordan to possess it. You know what, friend? Listen, if we're people of the book, there's a prophet to it and also a privilege but I'll tell you what it's an antidote for the apostasy it's the only thing that will save us so here, here, here's, here's the message that's the outline, here's the message I'll get through it pretty quick it's just, it's just pretty much single sentence statements are you ready for this? it's going to surprise you we must be people of the book you, you, might, you might think many doesn't have anything else to say. No, I got tons of stuff to say. But I'm going to tell you, there is nothing more important this morning for me to communicate to you at the beginning of a new year that's headed deeper in apostasy, a nation that's gone away from its God and all of the mess that we're in. There's nothing more important than me to communicate you and tell you we must be people of this book. We've got to run to it. We've got to hide in it. We've got to believe it. We got to read it. We got to seek to understand it. We got to live it. It's the only thing that will carry you through. Do you hear me? Now, don't expect it to get lighter in this. And I'm talking about light, bright. I'm talking about light, not L I G H T, meaning not, but how do you spell something that doesn't weigh much? L I T E. L I G. That's what I was thinking. That's why I hate the English language sometimes. Don't expect things to get light, L-I-G-H-T, because they're not going to be light, L-I-G-H-T. Y'all did, that was clear, wasn't it? That was clear as mud. 
You understand what I'm saying? Don't expect it. Listen, we're getting closer to home for us. We're, it's kind of like a shining light that gets better and better every day. But we're living in a world that's sinful, that's fallen, and that's going further away from God. So we've got to do something. You said, what have we got to do, preacher? Could you guess what I'm going to tell you? We must be people of the book. We must be people of the book. And the book, friend, listen, with no apology. Everybody listening on, on Facebook and on Sermon Audio here at Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle with no apology. I want you to know we're a King James only Bible-believing church. Everybody in there ought to stood up and said glory, hallelujah. Second, second chapter or the second book that Paul wrote to Timothy. Everybody got your Bible? Say amen. Turn to 2 Timothy and look at this. If you don't have this marked, by now, I absolutely don't know why you have it. You ought to commit this to memory. You say, how do you do that? Write it, rewrite it, write it, and rewrite it, and rewrite it, and write it. Read it out loud. Write it, and rewrite it. Read it, and read it, read it, write it, and rewrite it. That's how you learn it. Keep your finger here. We'll come back to it and get two verses above this. But listen to what he said about this scripture here. Listen to what he said. Listen, listen, folks, listen to what I'm going to tell you. This book is our rule of faith and practice. Well, if I could whistle, I would. Hey, 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 everybody, I'm talking to you. This book is our rule of faith and practice. If it doesn't say it, don't do it. If it says it, by the grace of God, seek a way to do it. We got bylaws, a constitution here. I help write them. We've we, we, we've added a few addendums to them along the way. Y'all probably didn't know I even knew a word that big. But here's the deal. Those are outlined for us and our church polity and government. And listen, friend, I don't care what man writes. If the love of God doesn't enable us to do what we ought to do, regardless of what man writes, it won't help us. We get those constitution and bylaws ideas from this book. This is a basis, the fundamental of everything that we do, say, are, want to be, try to be, seek to be. This book is our life. People talk to me sometimes, they, they, they'll say, well, it said, you know, are you full-time? Is that, is, that, is that all you do? I said, look, dude, it's not what I do, it's what I am. Much more than what I do. My God, if I just do church, if I just do ministry, that, that's, that's not enough. Listen to what he said. He Get this now. Listen now. It's our final rule of faith and practice. All scriptures give me inspiration of God. I'm glad I got a King James Bible. Because some of them will say all scripture that is inspired. We believe that all of it is inspired. All of it is inspired. It's profitable for doctrine. Isn't that amazing what the Holy Spirit said? Paul, you put first in this list, doctrine. Folks, if you, if you lay your doctrine down to get, uh, get together with somebody that calls himself Christians, you don't have anything to get together with. For doctrine, for correction, for, or for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We need, friend, this book. Can I tell you what else? Nothing, everybody heard me say nothing, say amen. Nothing is to supersede the Word of God. Not tradition, not any man-made law, no edict, 
and let it be known among people that won't like it if they hear it, not even your stinking experience ought to supersede the Word of God. Y'all know what people are doing in our day of, of this day of apostasy and, and uh, 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 this pragmatic emergent church age that we're living in, this prosperity gospel that's being preached? They try this book by their experience. Buddy, and I hate that word when people call me buddy. I want to say my name is not buddy. Ever, I, I mean, that just, I don't, you know, people, and they're being nice. Hey, buddy, I'm thinking, how do you know if I'm your buddy or not? I mean, I, I, I need prayer. And y'all, I know y'all don't have anything like that. Y'all goody two-shoes. I imagine when somebody crowds you on the interstate, you say, God bless them, Lord. Help their, help their wounds to be fruitful and all of their cattle to have twins every week. Yeah, I know that's how you pray. You say, bless God, if I had a hold of you, I'd break your neck, right? I've got a problem. I'll admit mine. Listen, folks, listen. We, 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 need, we need this book. We, we need this book. Let, let me go on. I could give you some scriptures, but, but I'm, I'm not going to. God rules the world with the same book He's going to judge us by. Go to the book of John, chapter 12, and look at verse 28. And I, I'm, I'm not going to turn and read it. You can read it, but I'm going to get the emphasis of it. I'm going to get the essence out of it. Jesus said, listen, if they reject me, they reject my word. And listen, He said, it's the same word that I speak unto you that shall judge you in that day. People that try to deny this book, do away with this book, discount this book, change this book, you don't know what they're going to run into it in the judgment. They're going to run into the Word of God. Now, if you don't mark John 12 and 28, or 48, excuse me, if I told you 28, it's, it's 48. It's 48. That's a good one to mark, too. You see, God's people, listen, listen, folks, God's people must respect and reverence the Word of God. Boy, that's a word that needs to be brought out of the closet, doesn't it? Reverence. You know what reverence means in a simple way? I'm not looking at Webster's T.K. Price edition of, of, of definitions. Give it due respect. While I'm here, thank you, Lord, we ought to respect the house of God. The things that are in, this is a holy place. I mean, people said, well, what are y'all going to use that building for? Are you going to use it as a, a multi-purpose business? We said, no. Bless God, it will be to worship the Lord in. This is the house of the Lord. Somebody said, well, look, they got those chairs that they can move. They're going to put basketball goals up on one end. And they're going to have dances. We've come here to worship the Lord. Isn't that right, Steve Arnett? We had some conversation about this, didn't we? This is that. We're, we build a church. I know the church is the people in it and all that. Y'all understand what I'm saying. We had our head on straight when we started this. I believe it's still heading the right direction. Can I tell you, friend, it's imperative that we hear and heed the Word of God. And can I tell you how we respect and reverence the Word of God? It's when we hear it and then we live it. Let, let, I'll get to this in a little bit. Well, I'm going to right now. I looked at my notes. There it is. Look at verse 27, if you will, in Deuteronomy 31. 20, look, look at this. We don't hear much about this. You, you know, we don't hear a lot of Old Testament preaching like we did when I was younger and growing up, the types and the shadows. And I've wondered a lot about that, but I think I know some of the reason why those kind of things don't fit in the days that we're living in, fighting the battles that we're fighting. 
At one time, when a preacher in the 50s and 60s could go in a place and evangelize and preach about anything, people would get saved. Boy, in today, we're, 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 we are equipping the saints to fight a battle in this last days that we're in. Look what he said. Excuse me, verse 27 said, For I know thy rebellion, and here's the phrase that I want, the stiff neck. Thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, you have been rebellious against the Lord, and how much more after my death? You, you, you know what it is to be stiff-necked. The idea there is resistance. All of us get a little stiff-necked every now and then. All of us. Sometime or another. But here's what stiff-necked is. Take it a little bit deeper. Stiff-necked is someone who persists in their doing what they want to do, regardless of what the Word of God says. Ouch. Oh, I know. What's the next word? But. You see, we, we think we're such privileged characters. Who is it? Uh, who, des- who said you deserve a break today? McDonald's? They lied to you. Who, who said... Uh, you're worth it. L'Oreal lied to you. I mean, are you getting this? We become flippant in this entitlement, ideologically motivated society that we even apply to God who is holy and high and lifted up and exalted and is our Savior and our God. We act toward Him like we do anything and everyone else. God help us. When God says it, you want to tell you what we ought to do? We say, God, I hear you and I'm going to do it by the grace of God. Now, do we do it always? No, sir, ma'am, we don't. I'm going to give you two things after that. That's what the grace of God is about. Let me give you these two things. Number one, if we're really right with God, we'll want to. And we'll try to. How many of y'all know this isn't a perfect church? Say amen real loud. How many of y'all want it to be, though, in your heart? Say amen. See, that's the difference. If you're working and striving to it, you said the truth. If you didn't, you, you need to do some praying. But here's the key. We all rebel on occasion. That, that's human nature. That's the Adamic side of us. But when it is pers- persistent, when we do it, friend, in abject rejection of what we know we ought to do, then we got a problem. But boy, I could dig right there. Dear God of heaven, I could dig right there. I'm not going to. I'm not even going to say the simple things. I'm going to move on. You see, the danger is for God's people who are stiff-necked to, to refuse to bow in humble submission to God's Word and hence to the God of His Word. And instead, we persist in hardening ourselves against the Lord. We continue doing what we want to do instead of submitting to the things God expects us to do. Now, now look, what you, you all in your mind, somebody, somebody speak it out. Y'all help me and I'm going to move on. If this works right, if this experiment works right, I, I won't have to do much. Move on. <laughs> what are some of the simple things for people that get saved that God teaches us in this Word as, as, as a young convert or an old convert? What are two or three things we ought to do? Somebody list them. Say it. We ought to pray. Go to church. Read our Bible. Witness. Worship. 
I don't have to preach it. it. It's not like it's a secret. It's in this book. Listen, let me take it further. When you get saved, it's in your heart. Let's face it, if I was a spiritual cardiologist, I'd say a lot of people have heart trouble. I'm going to move on. I've never done that before. I've never had anybody preach their own, their own funeral before, y'all here? God's people must be what? People of the book. Say it with me. God's people must be people of the book. We must be. It's always been true, but it's never more true in the day and the hour that we live in. You say, preacher, but I don't like all of it. Take it anyway. From Genesis 1-1, Revelation 22-21, take it. You ever, have, you ever have your mom and dad to say, Mommy, I don't like it. Well, you're going to take it anyway. I don't, I don't want that. Yeah, but you're going to take it. Open that mouth up. You ever have one of them grab your nose? Ah, I like that. You know? It's one thing when you're little and they're playing that airplane. Yeah, but when they got something that looks like it come from muskrat skin, smells like it's skunk juice, and they want you to swallow it so that you can stop coughing, they think. You know why it stopped you from coughing if it was Dr. Meeks? Y'all, anybody here remember Dr. Meeks from over in Boone County? His cough syrup, he went to jail for building a, a steel in his basement. That's God's truth. He's a great man. He did a great service, but the God's truth, I even worked with the men that built it for him. They, they built it the, at, at the truck shop up at Bethlehem where I, used to, where I used to work when I was in the coal industry. He put it together. They actually, they put him in jail. Y'all remember that? But I'm going to tell you what, friend, if you had a cough, if your mom or dad would give you a teaspoon of that cough syrup, bless God. It, it, you say, why? Well, it burned the back of your throat out. You didn't have any means to cough. It's, I have no idea what proof it was, but I'm sure it's 123. It'd stop a cough, buddy, and it didn't taste good going down either. I'd bury my face in the pill and go, <clears throat> Dad'd say, I'm bringing a cough syrup. I'd say, Oh, Lord God. I don't even know how I got on that, but it was good. Wasn't See, we've got to take the bitter with the sweet. Turn quickly, and I'm about getting ready to done. Stay in your seat, Judy. I'm, I'm not quite here. Look, at, look in Revelation 10. I don't have time to read the whole first six, eight, nine verses. I'd like to, but here's what I'm going to tell you. In this passage, John saw an angel with a book in his hand. Can, can I tell you not? Everything in this book makes me feel happy. I really regularly get condemned when I read this Bible. You know what it is, don't you? It's a mirror. Y'all know why people don't read the Bible? Because it shows them what they are. And, and instead of digging in, getting it all cleared up, you, we, we have a tendency to run away from it. We ought to learn to run to it. But, but John saw an angel with a book in his hand, and God told him strange thing to do. Here, look in verse... Uh, 8, 9, and 10. He said, I heard from heaven a voice speaking to me, go and take the little book that's open to the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. Now, I'd like to know what's in this book myself, but God didn't see fit to give it to us. I went to the angel, said unto him, give me the little book, and he said, take it, eat it, and it shall be bitter in thy belly. He said, but it shall be as thy mouth sweet as honey. Brother, there have been things that I've, I've read in the Word of God or heard a man of God preach, and when it was going down, it was the sweetest thing I ever heard. 
along about 2.30 in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, God waked me up and it was bitter. Anybody else ever have that trouble? I mean, I, you know, I mean, I'd be reading something, the Word of God, just reading through the Bible, just like, you know, maybe I ought to and whatnot. I mean, I'm spiritual high, and all of a sudden I come across a passage of Scripture that absolutely take my knees out from under me. God would say, you've been missing the mark here. Anybody else understand this? But isn't it amazing? I'm going to make a statement and move on. I can stay here for a long time. You know what I've learned? It's still sweet when it's bitter. I had one amen. Let me say that again. Y'all need to think about that. To me, I have learned, that's the key phrase there, that it's still sweet when it's bitter. Can I tell you, this book is for me, not against me. It's for me, not against me. You see, we ought to be people of the book. I'm going to make one more thing, and then we'll quit. I've got, I've got other things to say, but I'm quit. Go ahead, Judy. Thank you for waiting. Folks, we must be people of the book, but we must make much out of doctrine. I, I can't overemphasize doctrine. Doc, the word doctrine in the Word of God means simply teaching. But, but, but people are spending too much time in this day and hour trying to change the Word of God when God intended the Word of God to change us. Now let's just face it, folks. If, if you don't like this book, there's hardly any reason for you to come to Roxalana because that's all we've got. But I'm going to tell you what, you can find a book that will suit you. But I want a, I want a book that will make me suit God. That's what I want. Hey, hey, listen, y'all, y'all heard me say they've got a Queen James Bible now. It's doing away with anything that has to do with homosexuality. And it's amazing what these warped, perverted people are trying to say about what this book does not say about sin. Man, we're living in a day when people are getting by with, with pedophilia. They ought to be put in jail, and yet they're being applauded being promoted, being given our tax money to promote it. Y'all know about $11 million of that that, uh, new bill that they just passed. The Republicans and Democrats both. Y'all remember that? Just a couple of weeks ago, one point, what, $7 trillion? $11 million of it went to promote LBGTQ and everything else agenda. Y'all aware of that? God help. And the indignation I feel in my spirit right now is just unbelievable. Y'all ever heard of Kirk Cameron? Do y'all know that the libraries in America, he wrote a book. It's for children. They won't let him in to read for that hour, children's reading hour. They won't let him in. Y'all wear that? But they'll let every transgender pervert that wants to put on a drag show and read about transgenderism bless God they'll let them in by the hands for y'all do know that we're we're in a mess folks we are in a mess I'm telling you but I know he took the record I don't know that he's won yet good deal I'm glad to hear that I'm glad to hear that Clarence Sexton said this, and I'm going to quit. 
We, we, we've got something. And listen to how he phrases it. Clarence Sexton says, Our faith is a treasured heritage. And it's not a contemporary issue. Folks, if you all happen to miss, if you all happen to miss the message of this message, it is this, we must be people of the book. If we're going to be a church, if we're going to be able to stand in the last days, if we're going to glorify God, if we're going to be able to, to do what God called us to do, we've got to be people of the book. There's churches that have Jesus on the outside standing in the door knocking to get in. And we want to keep Him in the midst.